The goal of this podcast is to help you break in and thrive in advertising. We do that every week by sharing the stories and advice of those rocking it on the other side. This week, we have someone that finds talent for a living. Owen Williams. Outside Lines launched in 2019 by founder Owen Williams as a one-person shop. Today, it is a leading talent recruitment agency with a network that spans the globe. Their philosophy is simple. They employ a human-centered approach to match world-class talent with organizations where they can thrive and fuel growth. Owen has led global organizations in attracting, hiring, and retaining talent. He has restructured and opened new offices worldwide and has built recruiting departments from the ground up. His career has been driven by his passion for cultivating great teams who go on to make things that affect and change modern culture. And before founding Outside Lines, Owen worked for some of the world's best creative agencies, and this is true. And this includes TBWA, Media Arts Lab, Mother, and 72 and Sunny. Owen takes the time today to identify some of the real fears that many of us will perhaps inevitably face at some point in our advertising careers, and that is getting laid off. He tells us that it's usually out of our control. Love that. But he also takes the time to give practical steps on what to do if it happens. He tells us about making human connections and the best strategies to do so. So we often neglect on the show how to thrive in the industry. So Owen takes care of that for us today. And you're going to want to connect with Owen, I'm telling you. And to do that, he recommends visiting his website, OutsideLines.co. OutsideLines.co. And you can also see his secret recommended resources by visiting our Instagram, at Breaking and Entering Pod. Now on with the show. This is the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. And as usual, I'm your accomplice, Gino Schellenberger. Kick it, Mikey. All right, Owen Williams. Welcome to the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. How the heck are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So tell us where you're at. I, I know I know. we talked before. You're in the midst of uh, house hunting. Is that correct? Yes, I am. More kids equal more space. And so there we are. Uh, we find ourselves in the middle of looking for our next home. Uh, yeah. And so in what city? I live in Los Angeles. So currently sitting in, you know, little office space that we had. We got a couple of years ago when COVID opened up and my wife was like, stop floating around the house with the nanny and the first child. You're maybe you're causing chaos. It's time to get out. So uh, that's where I am now. Gotcha. I've never been to LA. Really? Never. You need I've to get out here. I mean, Chicago I is a beautiful city. Los Angeles is completely different. Um, it's about to get know. cold here. It's I know. I'm, I'm biased though. I love the city of New York. I love Chicago. There's so many beautiful yeah. cities in the United States. I think but, Angeles just to me kind of drew me in with, I don't know whether it was the beach or the mountains or the wine or the desert or the music. I don't know. Uh, but I'm hooked and I've spent many years moving people from all over the world 
to this part of the world. So, uh, yeah, it created a bias somewhere along the way. Gotcha. And where do you work? Like, what's the neighborhood area that? Oh, okay. That you... So we, I, I'm a West Sider, as they would say. Okay. Uh, my office is in Venice, uh, and we live down in a little beach city called Playa del Rey. Um, yeah. But you know, LA is a city of neighborhoods and little. Yeah. I don't want to call boroughs because somebody from New York will get mad at me. But no, I, don't call them that. Yeah, yeah, neighborhoods, like little yeah. neighborhoods. And I think, you know, a lot of people move from Brick, uh, Brooklyn will end up in Silver Lake or Echo Park or somewhere on the east side. Mm -hmm. uh, people, got you know, I, I originally, when I moved here 12 or 13 years ago, moved to West Hollywood because I wanted a walkable nightlife scene uh, and slowly moved west over the years. Um, or people that are just getting their first job in advertising maybe they're not from la for somebody young just starting their career what's the best neighborhood in la to move to i would say when you first move to la mm -hmm. move somewhere close to wherever your job is <laughs> period where are the, the ad agencies at uh they're scattered all over now i think there was a time where they were consolidated on the west side, there are many, many of them in a place called Playa Vista or up mm -hmm. through Venice and Culver City. But I think there are some really great agencies. You know, Anomaly just moved over to West Hollywood. Mother is in, the, you know, central L.A. as well. And I think, you know, agencies have done that to shake things up a little bit and then kind of, you know, create a different vibe. Um, you know, I think some of them do it also to be able to allow talent to be able to live around the city and not just on the west side where it tends to be more expensive and give them you know a variety of places to live in a more central office location hmm. you know gotcha so we i know we touched upon a little bit of agencies and you've worked at quite a few agencies some big ones i'm looking at your linkedin but where are you working now owen tell us about what you're up to today and what you do for a living in la and how you're buying this new house where does that where does that money come from oh my gosh well uh you're right i've definitely had the pleasure of working at some amazing places with some really much smarter people than myself over the years and i've been blessed with that for sure but um currently i run a, a talent consultancy called outside lines and we work with agencies of all shapes and sizes both your small independents to your global, you know, holding company. We work with design studios of, you know, global renown, and we work with brands, both, you know, Fortune 500 companies that have built in-house creative apparatuses mm -hmm. all the way to your direct-to-consumer brand that is looking for someone to come in and help revamp the look and feel of a brand and build a small in-house team to help market it. In a lot of cases in a in a social capacity so we do a lot of a variety of work um you know we work with talent from your executive level down through the funnel to your kind of mid to senior level as well um, and a lot of that comes in when we work with leadership to help kind of design and strategize what type of team they need and then build that team for them got it so you're working for these companies that are looking for creatives not mainly creatives you're saying no, I, we work with people that work in the creative community. So we mm -hmm. obviously we specialize in areas like creative and design, but that also includes producers, strategists, brand marketers, uh, 
increasingly more data and analytics. Okay. And, so all of all of these yeah. advertising marketing professionals, you're kind of helping them out. We're yeah. all creative. You hear that everybody says. I would that. say it's more of the creative community than it is just creatives. I think, you okay. know, there have been times over the course of my career where I've specialized specifically in creatives. Um, but I think copywriter since, art direction art, yeah, art copywriter, direction. art direction design, you know, mm -hmm. um, as outside lines has grown and as our clients' needs have changed and grown over the last four years that we've been operating, what we're able to, you know, create relationships with and those that we are creating relationships with out in the workforce has grown. Uh, it's actually been one of the most fulfilling parts of being on the outside of an agency, which is solving a variety of people problems that you're not necessarily seeing and, in, in, you know, the specific agencies that I was working for, um, because there's just a variety of different agencies that do a lot of different work for clients. Uh, and I think we've seen the influx of, you know, the traditional strategy, creative output change. And now there's a lot more data that goes into the, the strategy that then goes into the creative thinking that then goes into the output. And I think the makeup of an agency is changing. And you're seeing that even more so today with, you know, all this talk around AI and how it's going to affect work. You're seeing brands and agencies alike rethinking the makeup of their. Right. Business. So you're seeing what by working with the companies and seeing what who they're hiring for and where they're investing their resources or human people, uh, you can get a really good indicator and pulse on, okay, what are the trends? What are people investing in? What's happening to this community, to this industry? You have that kind of like that first, that primary research, I guess, if you know that all these agencies are no longer hiring for art directors, not true. I don't know. might be true. Um, but that was just an example. And they're hiring data strategists. That tells us a lot. So yeah. I think this is going to be a really insightful episode for our listeners on who, what, what roles are they looking for from mid-level to senior roles that we can track towards. You know, let's spend less of our time going into X uh, specific niche, maybe. I don't know. But then also, Owen, we talked before this, and I want to clarify this now and kind of set the tone so we can keep us on track here. You also know a lot about thriving in this industry. And, uh, you know, there, you, you mentioned before ups and downs. Uh, it seems like every five or six, seven years, there's uh, some issues uh, with the economy or whatever else. And you got some really good insight on helping people land those jobs, right? So yeah, then I, I want to kind of frame us in that direction as well. We should touch on, I think, you know, I want to date stamp this, but there's a lot going on in the industry. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of people that are seemingly doing well and a lot of others that are kind of maybe second guessing whether they stay in this business or not. And I, for one, would prefer for the talented people that have grown up in this business to stay in it as long as they possibly can. We like that. Yeah, we hope. I mean, it's tough sometimes. So can anybody ever go to you? So do can individuals go to you and be like, hey, I want a new job or I need help finding a job? Or do you just kind of stick with more so the, the company is finding on their side? Um, you know, that's an interesting, I mean, we definitely are more of a, we'll come to you, but we mm -hmm. have 
a network of great people that are constantly introdu introducing us to new people that we don't know that we should. And I think we're always trying to keep our finger on the pulse of what's going on in the industry. And that means meeting new people and new talent and hearing what they're up to on a day-to-day -day basis. And also, you know, our clients come to us for pulse of what's going on in the industry and what talent is feeling. And I think if we just stick to the people that we know and don't introduce new talent and new perspectives from outside of our purview, we don't have all of the information. We don't have all of the data to be able to, you know, go back to those clients with. Gotcha. So I want to pause there and I want to get to your background. Okay. And we'll, what we'll do is I want to ask you about how you broke into this and then we'll go through a little bit of your career. And I see a lot of great agencies on here. And uh, so we'll talk about that and then we'll get back to outside lines, right? We'll go back. We'll kind of get to the, to where you're at today. And then we can just dive into as much advice and what you know, and all those insights that you've garnered and learned uh, through, through your career. So how do we start this? Well, the question is, when did you realize you wanted to be in the industry of making advertisements? Do you remember where, when that was in your life, what you were doing, what you were wearing? Yes, I do, actually. Uh, I, I went to school. Kind of weird. To go, I wanted to produce movies. I had spent some time in Los Angeles with my best friend's older brother who had just graduated from film school and was basically acting as the producer for a number of short films we were trying to make in the summer and fell in love with that process and the making side of it and decided to go back to finish school and focus on entrepreneurial business and film production because I figured I needed to know how to run a business if I was gonna run a production. So I looked at different schools. I landed at Temple University, my alma mater in Philadelphia, who happens to have two very good schools, mm. both in entrepreneurial business and film. Nice. And spent my second summer, it was my, between my junior and senior year, for the second year in a row working for free in Los Angeles for various production companies and the California Film Commission or whatever. And one of our alumni came in and told us a story about how they had been working for a production company making billion dollar films for 10 years and only for the studio had to give him 10 million dollars to write or to work on the film that he had had in his drawer for the last 10 years um only to really realize that he was making films that he had no passion for uh in order to do that and i said to myself man i don't want to wait 10 years for someone to throw me a bone to do something that i really enjoy and i will say that the producer with that $10 million produced Little Miss Sunshine. So at least the wait was worth it. Um, but I went back to school before the next semester and walked straight into the office where they tell you what classes you have to take to graduate and said, pump the brakes. I just want to make things. And they said, well, what about advertising? And I looked at this woman and I was like, short films with the most gleeful look on my face. And she was like, no advertising. And I was like, short film, sign me up. And she was like, just go to this class and you'll get this degree and you'll be okay. And um, that was in Philadelphia, which led to my first, you know, first few jobs over the first five or six years of my career at various regional agencies. And the last one we had kind of helped launch Hendrix Gin and a couple of others into the world. And at the time it was like, social media was so young and flash sites and microsites were things that were attached to things like MySpace. It was a very different world at the time. And yeah. 
we did this and um, then they decided that, thank you very much for this great work. We are now in the market and we appreciate your work. And they divorced themselves from the agency. And I think, you know, there was maybe 40 or 50 of us. And I think half of us were sitting in a bar a week later going, what just happened? You know, and um, this is where the recruiting thing started, uh, where I was 20 something kind of going, well, what's next, you know, and applying to jobs on the internet and found something that was a staffing agency for creatives. And um, I went in and I interviewed and a couple of days later, they called me back and said, hey, we think you'd be a great recruiter. And I remember laughing and going, I'm honest, I was there for two hours and like, I don't know what you do. And they said, well, come in, let's talk a little bit more. And long story short, it kind of changed the trajectory of my life. And I think I did that for a while. Um, it moved me to Los Angeles, but I think ultimately looking for a connection to the people and i started looking around at you know agencies studios design firms entertainment you name it across the city of la and and you know there is a wonderful guy named david gerndola who is still at 72 and sunny who hit me up one day and we had long conversations over many many months and ultimately ended up being hired at 72 and sunny at a wonderful time in their history and the you know, changed the course of my career from the people that introduced me into this industry to the friends that I have in the world today. Uh, many of them literally came from that pivotal moment within my career. Um, I'm thankful for those relationships. And, you know, as you said, that led to, you know, other amazing opportunities to work with, you know, an independent agency like Mother, um, which is still near and dear to my heart. And, you know, that ultimately led to working with a place like Media Arts Lab, which works for arguably the best brand on the planet. Sorry, Nike, we were up there too, but oh um, yeah, both both are great. Yeah. Um, what do you think that initial recruiter th saw in you when when he or she or whoever said you'd be a good recruiter? What is that skill set? I don't know. Uh, a passion <laughs> for humanity. I think what's kept me in this, and I think what's led me down this path is I've always been a student of arts and design and creativity and how it relates to our industry, which is commercial creativity, right? And I realized that I had a passion for it probably six months into that job when I realized that the thing that I really liked most was talking to creatives. And over the course of my career, have been lucky enough to meet some of the wildest, craziest people that have passions for obviously making commercial art for brands that help make them famous and sell more potato chips or widgets or cell phones. But it's their the thing that makes them human, the things that they are on the side, be it their passion for music or art or food or video games or whatever, and like how that drives their daily output. And, you know, I think it's what leads to the mixture of creativity we see in our industry is because you pull so many different people and put them in a room and say, you're all working on one mission go um it's what gets me excited and it's what's kept me in here in this side of things for so long is that like just insatiable curiosity to learn more about people in the world through you know relationships that i have here it doesn't sound like a bad bad route i mean it's worked for me i think you know yeah. it is an interesting route to take in this in this industry i think there are certainly ceilings to it there are very few um 
people that are out there that, you know, can rise to the ranks because there's very few roles. And I think it's also probably, you know, like this industry, there are very few CCO roles or managing director roles or yeah. heads of strategy up, of course, roles. Yeah. A, you know, as you get higher up, the pyramid gets smaller and I think it's even smaller on this side. And, you know, I think ultimately what led me to going and starting outside lines, which was, um, there's a number of reasons for it, but I think what I've realized now is that we get to work with a variety of agencies and a variety of, and solve a variety of problems with our clients. You know, obviously it's usually relating to talent and talent adjacent things, obviously people and, you know, organizational development and growth. And, you know, we've become advisors to our clients again, as we were tapping on earlier, what's going on in the market as it relates to their particular business and have become great partners and resources to our clients on that side, not just for, you know, the nuts and bolts of finding the right person for the particular role, but to help them understand what's going on in the industry to inform their business decisions. Right. Um, and then I think that's, you know, what keeps us moving forward. Gotcha. I think I want to hover in and what were the, some of the biggest learnings at 72 mother and TBWA I want to talk about. I don't know if you legally can, but heck, worth a shot. Yeah. What was it like uh, there? I think those three agencies, biggest lessons from each, and then as much detail that you can legally say about TBWA Media Arts Lab, which is Apple's in-house, or is it? No, sorry. No, they're, it's they're, that's TBWA's, of course. Dedicated yeah. to yep. the brand of Apple. It's um, like the TBWA just for Apple, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, 72 and Sunny at the time, it was like 2013 or through 16 or something like that. It was, you know, a, a very pivotal time in that. Lead brand. creative recruiter is the role here. Yeah, as a creative recruiter at the time. And, you know, coming from an outside and being given the opportunity to work with the level of talent that was there, I think that was absolutely eye-opening. I think it was also the first time that I was able to, or I was working for a brand where you could literally tap whoever you wanted around the globe. They could be in London, they could be in Brazil, they could be in the UAE. If they were doing something that we thought was interesting, we wanted to talk to them. And, you know, it was a time in the history of the brand, which I'm sure still holds the same clout, you can send an email that says hello from 72 and sunny and they're going to respond to you and you can talk to them about whatever role. And at the time it could have been Activision or Sonos or Google or Starbucks. There was Samsung in the building. There were so many just r ridiculously amazing creative opportunities floating around and not just that, but leaders that people wanted to work for. And I think that was very game changing because it opened up my aperture to the global creative community that, you know, lives within advertising, which I think that was probably the biggest takeaway there. Um, mm. You know, mother, what an amazing New York, right? Mother New York. And at the time there was no LA. Uh, that was something that kind of came about towards the end of my tenure with them. But, you know, mother New York is probably one of the most precious places I've ever worked. It was mm. full of just some of the most unique individuals from all over the US, but all over the globe. I think when I got there, there was like 120 some odd people and like 
40 or 50 different flags from all over the world in the building. It was some of the most diverse thinking people with just a focus on one, making great work, but, you know, doing it with people that you enjoyed doing it with. And really, I'm, I'm struggling to remember the, the, the philosophy there, but it's basically like do good work with great people um, and have a good time while you're doing it. And, you know, what an amazing time, you know, also living in New York for a couple of years is not a bad thing, but, you know, pre-pandemic someone... pre 2016 to 2018 ish is LinkedIn director of yeah, yeah, pre-pandemic. Oh, it was life is good. You know, Life was good. We got married basically on the way into New York. So we were newlyweds running around the city of New York trying to, you know, eat our way through it and see every show and go to every museum and, you know, uh, just enjoy life and work at the same time. And I think, you know, what a unique perspective that place gave me on our industry. And I think still to this day holds a very warm place in my heart. Um, so why'd you leave? If it, I mean, truth be told, is, New York is tough. Truth but. be told, you know, my wife wanted to move back to California, and that was. Would you have city. stayed? Uh, would I have stayed? Yeah, Without she... Absolutely not. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to meet you back in LA in a couple uh, would of years. I have stayed in New York hmm. for a period of time. Uh, I think in the back of my mind, I always knew that there was a set period of time, but I also knew that at the time we had, were focused on building LA and that there was going to be eventually a route back there. But I think at the end of the day, it was, you know, a decision that was personal that led me back. Um, and, you know, at this, at that time, you know, media arts lab was in need of someone shaped like myself. And, you know, I had a great opportunity to work with, you know, Brent Anderson and some really other amazing people throughout the leadership and the, you know, creative department here in the LA office and around the globe for an agent agency that, you know, was probably in the top two or three over the last 20 years of consistently churning out, you know, world beating work for, you know, a brand that again, arguably one of the better ones, the best ones that's ever been. Um, it was a different experience for me. It was my first time in a holding company. It was my first time on a global, like truly global scale, working with offices around the world. Yeah. It was a learning curve on so many levels and super, super grateful for that opportunity. Um, who's then, saying no, like if you're global director recruitment yeah. and your job is to find people, hire the right people, who's going to say no. Right. I don't know. Like to, to it's sometimes it's hard to find the right. Yeah, yeah. If you're hiring people, right. And maybe I'm looking at this the wrong way. So help me out. Who's going to say no. When you call, I can't hear you. How about now? There we go. There we go. Let me switch back over here to so my next. Said, who's going to say no. That's when we should. Yep. I, I'm. My question is, who's going to say no? If you're working at TBWA Media Arts Lab, what's a challenge at this role? I feel like, is it hard finding the perfect person for the perfect job, for the perfect role? Or, or is it just, like, to me, like, I would, I, nobody should say no to that job, right? I mean, 
I think in a place like that, it's like if you are getting the call for that job, because, you know, I think it's a correlation to, you know, depending on what sport you're in, you know, the picture of the Yankees or the picture of, you know, Barcelona being the pinnacle of, and that's me as a Barcelona fan, you know, all you Real Madrid fans out there can take a back seat, but uh, it's the pinnacle of an industry. It's working at a an agency that while yes, they are producing amazing work on a regular basis, the pressure of working for a global behemoth brand of Apple that the work that you do has such an impact on the brand is big. And at the same time, you're also tapping up some really great people in all categories from creative to production to strategy that are oftentimes very comfortable in their agency, very well made, well, well taken care of in their agency. And I think, you know, even while I was there, there was something else holding a bunch of people back from wanting to move to the United States uh, that also posed a problem. But I think, you know, there isn't much holding people back. Again, going back to the initial 72 and Sunny conversations is people will have the conversation and they'll pursue it with you. And I think, at that stage, though, it really comes down to life decisions because yeah. working in a place like that, I think working in any environment where the level of creativity is very, very high, it could be art, like traditional art, music, um, entertainment, and advertising. When you're at the pinnacle of sport, when you're at the pinnacle, you dedicate a lot of your time and energy to that craft. And I think... Media Arts Lab is a place like that, that demands that dedication of time towards your craft. Uh, and there's a reason for it, because making work at that level takes that type of dedication in order to get there. And I think, you know, that was something that you're always, you know, talent is always weighing the, you know, pros and cons in any decision that they're making. All humans are, right? And I think as a recruiter, it's our job to present all the information and let someone with their family make the decision that's right for them. And I think, so yes, people will probably more than likely say it always want to work at a place for media arts lab. But when it comes to the idea of like, but I would need to move across the world right. and I would need to get my kids out of school and the timing and all of those things, it's more that that would get in the way rather than, Oh man, I don't want to work there. Yeah. Right. Right. Got it. I want to get into now. Uh, then what was that that transition point? What was going on in your life where you decided to start your own company? Uh, outside Lines. And why did you I name mean, it Outside Lines? Thank you very much. I think for me, it was, uh, in all reality, I was, you know, laid off with a large group of my peers. And, you know, I started doing what I would tell anyone to do when you've just been laid off, which is like, take some time to decompress, take some time to, you know, look at your bu budget and get your affairs in order and make sure that your brain's going, all right, we're good to go over there, you know? Um, and then you start to think, okay, what's next? Because you built that foundation. And when I started to talk to peers, ex-colleagues, bosses, many of them said, you know, where else are you going to go where you're going to get to work with that level of people? Why don't you hang your own shingle up and go out on your own? And by the third or fourth person that had said that to me, I started to believe it. 
you know, and it had been something that had been bouncing around in my head for years. And, you know, you kept saying to yourself, like I kept saying to myself, oh, I need a little bit more experience here. Or I need a little bit more experience here. And I think at the time, the, it was very encouraging. And, and frankly, I had a very warm landing right after that. You know, I had a freelance project to start on within a week. Um, nice. Back with the crew at Mother and was welcomed back in there with open arms. And frankly, they gave me a platform to be able to go through the process of forming a company, building a mission statement, in my opinion, designing a brand, you know, it was very important to me specifically in my space of, and like really having a point of view. And I was able to work with, a, you know, design friends to be able to do that at the time. And, you know, funny enough, working kind of behind the scenes with some people that I knew for the first couple of months as we did the brand and then the website, the go-to-market strategy, all the things were ready to launch on March 12th, which happened to coincide with the same day my pregnant wife and I kind of locked our front door, taped a blue square around it and thought, the zombies are coming, don't touch anything, you know, like, um, what a weird time because COVID landed on our front doorstep and it changed my go-to-market strategy completely and, you know, seemingly upended my whole idea of what I was going to do. And I think in hindsight, it turned out to be an absolute blessing because the world slowed down and I was able to reach out to my network and offer more than just, hey, I've launched this company. It was what's going on in your world. Let's talk. Let's, you know, let's communicate in a different way. And I think everyone, people were going through varieties of things, you know, leaders that were still in agencies were going through the turmoil of having to lay off people that they never thought they would ever have to. Uh, some were, you know, interested in conversations because they had just been laid off themselves. And it just became this very warm conversation that led to kind of getting the word for outside lines out there to, you know, cut to August of 2020. And, you know, I think the whole industry realized, oh my gosh, we need people back. And the hiring boom that we just came out of last year started and all those people started getting jobs. And I think that's a lot of where our brand work has come from because a lot of the people that I know from our industry started ending up in brands and building their own in-house teams. And, and we saw growth there. And I think, you know, the, our, the, the business of outside lines has kind of grown since then. Hmm. And where is it at today? I mean, we were, I have a small team. Uh, and like I said, early on, we work with a variety of, uh, you know, world renowned design studios, small startup agencies, you know, names that you, that everyone would know on that side of things, as well as brands. Um, but I think, you know, we, we also work directly with talent and we do things like, you know, help people understand how to shape their careers for the ups and downs and how to thrive in environments and, you know, how to make the right decisions with their career, you know, and I think early on, I had this kind of pivotal moment where I realized that was success for me, which was, I think I was at 72 and Sunny, and there was a talent that we had talked to about a job about a year prior, and she had not gotten the job, but we, we had built a relationship through the months and months of coming back and forth around that particular job. And and she called me a year later, emailed me and said, hey, I'd love to pick your brain. And what ended up, she ended up having two or three jobs that she was considering taking. And all she wanted was an honest outsider's answer or opinion on which path might 
felt best for her based on what she was looking to do in the future of her career. And, you know, all she wanted was somebody to listen and then offer advice based on what we had. And, and, you know, she ended up taking a specific job that led her on an amazing path. But to me, I remember going home and like my fiance at the time being like, wow, that felt like success to me. And I think that to me is part of why myself and those that I bring in to work at Outside Lines make us kind of different is the idea of like, we are here to help people thrive to your point earlier, but also kind of navigate this business. I think, you know, we're seeing a lot of people right now in the industry that have been laid off and kind of, we, we work with people that, you know, these are people we've known for years that we kind of help get over that initial hump and then help them figure out how to market these. You know, there's some people that are not working at the moment that have never been out of work for 10 or 15 year plus careers. And they're going, I, you know, I've never had to kind of navigate the LinkedIn game that has become this crazy social network or, you know, how do I go about freelancing? What does that look like? You know, people will come to us and just say, what is my rate? Literally, like, I, I have no idea where to start, you know, and we will have those conversations and make sure that they are walking away well informed because, you know, relationships are, should be everyone. It doesn't matter whether you're a recruiter or a junior just getting started or a CEO running a you know multinational company. I, relationships are part and parcel to good business, in my opinion. My question is, somebody gets laid off. You mentioned the first step is decompress, take a moment, look back. Number two, you said was assess your finances, see what what you got, how long you can last, right? You know, yep. are you going to survive? Do you have to get a side job? You know, how are you going to get money? Mm-hmm. Is that accurate? Those first two steps, decompress, yeah. assess, what else What else should somebody do? Whether they're young or they're older or they're mid- It doesn't matter what stage of your career. Yeah. I think it's kind I mean, of- These the are same. general tips. So what happens? What's after that? You know, the decompression part is like- How long does that last? A day? It depends on the person, I think. It depends on- An hour? The, the, the severity of what you're talking about. I think the initial gut punch, you know, goes away quickly, but- there are repercussions mentally. And I think we, we've talked a lot in this industry about mental health, but I think, you know, there's a mental health problem to the roller, the rolling layoffs that seem to happen in this industry on a yearly basis that take the toll on, it take, really takes toll on talent. They start to, it doesn't matter how good you are, humans start to doubt themselves when things like that happen. And it could be the first time or the fifth time um, but people really start to doubt themselves. And, you know, a lot of times it's, it's circumstances that they're out of their control. Right. And so I always say kind of decompress, find your center again, um, focus on the practical, which is next, which is your finances and getting, you know, getting rid of your 15, you know, entertainment subscriptions or whatever you can kind of get it down to bare bones so that you can have a runway that's as long as possible. And then, you know, you got to get back on the horse and you got to find a way to get yourself out into the world. And you have to find yourself a way to start networking with your peers and start deciding what you want to do next. You know, I think I encourage a lot of people to go out and start having coffees with people, hit up random people. You know, I, I would say if you've got great relationship with a client, you're not trying to get a job, hit that person up, ask them what it's like on the brand side. If you're curious, you know, Ask questions. People are much more generous than you think they are. Um, what scares me is um, getting laid off and then 
staying unemployed and having a lasting gap on my resume of like six months, I feel like I would start to get anxious. If I was unemployed for six, seven, six months, probably I would feel anxious. A year, I'd feel really anxious not having a career. I mean, I could fill it in with a podcast or side work, freelancing. So is that like the best, like for me, I have the podcast. Like I can make some money sometimes, but yeah, I would still start feeling anxious. Is that normal? Like what's a way to remedy this? It's out of my control. What do you say to somebody that, that worries about having a gap on their resume? I mean, I would tell them first and foremost that your career is very long and that this is going to be a small blip on the overall radar of your career. But that does not negate the anxiety that that person is feeling at all, right? And um, you're right. You do have to find ways to fill those gaps. And I would assume most people that are driven by their craft, by a career, by growth as a human would find ways to fill that up. And that could be education. It could be a side hustle. It could be art. It could be community service. It could be a variety of things. And I think really what you need to do to negate those gaps is be able to fill in the storyline when you're interviewing for your next job as to what you're doing for that time. Yeah. And to me, it's like, I even wanted to, I was working on the McDonald's account for 10 years. I want to actually uh, go work at one. I think that'd be kind of an interesting, you can spin any narrative. Like my PR brain is thinking like, yeah, I think our listeners, you know, they should, they can always reach out to myself or to you, Owen. I'm like, what are some ideas? Like, here's what I'm good at. You know, I I don't have a job after college or they uh, recently got laid off or they, they left their job because they hated it. We hear that a lot too. Yeah. And what do they do in the in-between time? I give a lot of people this advice. And for myself, you know, God forbid, but it's probably going to happen one day. Um, I would assess my finances, like you said. I would continue to podcast. I would look at ways to make money and, and to leverage that. And then uh, probably see where I'm at. Look at, look at, look at the horizon. Are there yeah. more layoffs to come? What is this industry hiring? Is there another industry that I would like? Is there an in-house agency? Is there a specific brand I really love? I'm looking at my Shure microphone. Mm-hmm. They're in yeah. Chicago. I know that. I would start, okay, I love this microphone. I've been podcasting with it. Oh, I know this person. I would start looking at kind of like those different angles as well. But- Absolutely. I think career pivots happen in those moments as well. And I think it comes to your point of, reaching out to someone at sure that you might be connected with saying, Hey, you know, I'm looking for my next career move. I run a podcast. I found myself staring at the microphone the other day and going, I love this brand. So I'm reaching out just to learn a little bit more about the brand and what what is working within the brand. Just start a conversation with someone. I think people are curious about others that are curious. Uh, Mm -hmm. and, And I think, you know, in a moment like that, it's about staying fresh, with what's going on in the world, within your industry, staying relevant. And that could be, you know, I've seen the black hole that LinkedIn has been in um, is, you know, it is what it is, but I've seen some very, very refreshing uh, kind of moments of content, content that people are throwing out there in the world where, you know, they are writing funny quotes and you know they're like whoever's looking for a comedy writer here's what i got today you know and Mm -hmm. it's just like or you know they're 
sharing moments in their personal life that are not necessarily like the crazy things that are going on, but like, hey, this is a, you know, a, a funny thing that happened to me today and how I relate it to where I'm at in the world and trying to be real and relevant because I think unfortunately part of staying relevant in this day and age in connecting with is not just picking up the phone and talking to someone at an agency, but it's staying in front of the recruiters and front of the people that are actually out there. And, you know, we see it on both ends of the spectrum. We see, we see people promoting every time they're on a jury or they win an award or a new piece of work that they're proud of goes out into the world. Like those are positive signs, but others are, you know, sharing the moment of being laid off and sharing how grateful they were to work with the team that they had before and finding ways to stay in the feed, you know, and I think it's attention, right? Like you yeah. got to just keep yourself in the, in front of the eyes of the people in some way, shape or form. I don't like to post my own self. Yeah. I'm not, that's why I create a whole other brand breaking entering. And it's not me talking. Yeah. Well, it is, but I don't, I, I don't feel comfortable doing that stuff and it, but i do it for other people and i i'm a pr comms professional and i love elevating other people i don't like doing it for myself and right it's weird i mean i, gotta, I can't say how many people i talk to on a weekly basis that find the fact that they have to promote themselves on linkedin just disgusting uh you know and i think I unfortunately, when you when you are laid you off do it. yeah first step is to possibly go freelance right yeah and, you know there are steps that you need to take you need to update your linkedin you need to put your specialties you need to make sure that you've got your skill sets ready and available for someone to see mm -hmm. you've got to put your open to work badge on you got to say that you're freelance but on top of that you've got to post and say hey world hey network i'm freelancing or i'm wrapping up a gig in two weeks and i'm going to be ready for my next gig because that's what you have to do in order to continually stay working. And I think, you know, there was a day, there were days where, you know, their first, as a freelancer, your first three to six months were just hustled. You introduced yourself to every resource manager, every CD, every recruiter that you could to try to make sure everybody knew you were out there and what your book looked like and what you were capable of and what you're interested in doing. And that yeah. would then lead to job after job. And this day and age, it's not that easy anymore. Yeah you really got to write a brief for yourself Yeah. when it comes down to it. Um, I feel like if you find yourself in a position where you're looking for work, take a step back, like a third party perspective, maybe work with somebody else and literally just write your own like brief and like comms plan. And yep. you got AI now. Yeah. There's no excuse. You can talk all day with AI and figure out if you're not an art director, create some sort of brand or, some sort of system to promote yourself and you got to do it. Have yep. somebody else click the button yep. to, to post something, but have a schedule. I think it's just something that you need to do. If you do it for brands for a living, you got to do it for yourself. You know, log into Canva. Get on the camp. It's great. I love freaking Canva. Yeah. And, you know, find it. Yeah. Oh, and how can people talk to you if they want to get dive deeper? We talked a lot of, about a lot of great stuff, including you your resources and what you guys do and you're opening up you said you would be happy to help help people talk yeah. to people reach out to you and learn learn more about you uh, and and uh, outside lines i mean the best place the best resource would be 
outsidelines.com.cl. I think, you know, it'll give you an idea of what we do there, but there's also several different options for you to go on and set up a meeting to get to know us a little bit, to submit your profile to us, which then, you know, we do our best to try and communicate with every single person that comes and visits and, sure. and, and links on our site. You know, sometimes people come in waves, so we have to kind of dig through the that uh, that usually comes with posts. When we make posts that get traction, we see more people come our way, but we do our best to kind of make sure we at least communicate with everyone, let them know that they're on our radar. Um, you know, I think is, as far as people that are out there seeking career advice, that would be step one, you know, and we'll do our best to get to everybody and, and kind of get to know. I think we are always trying to grow our community of talent across, you know, again, like I said in the beginning, like every discipline we see in this business has somehow crossed our desk or we've been asked about it, you know? Um, so we're always trying to meet new people. Love it. Well, I appreciate you coming on. We'll let, we'll leave it at that. We'll let people reach out to you if they have any other questions, but Owen, this has been great. We could have talked more about all things advertising, but we'll save it for them to reach out to you. So thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure and uh, very appreciative of it. Thank you, Owen.